The following opinions expressed within the content are solely the speakers and do not reflect the opinions and beliefs of Child Free Media Limited or its affiliates. Hey, Child Free Family and friends, Cody here. Welcome to Child Free Family's presentation, Let's Talk Money. This is episode two on FIRE, which is Financial Independence Retire Early and FILE, uh, Financial Independence Live Early. I'm Cody Hetzel, the founder for Child Free Family, co-founder of the Child Free Convention, and all-around participant in pretty much anything surrounding the uh, Child Free lifestyle and topics. Quick shout out to the Child Free FIRE group on Facebook. Uh, they'll be with us today as well, and I'm an admin there. Um, so joining me today is Dr. J. Dr. J and his wife are both child-free. They've been married 12 years. He has a PhD in adult learning from the University of Connecticut and is a certified financial planner. A key thing to note about Dr. J is he is a fiduciary, which means he must put the needs of his uh, clients above his own interest. And on top of that, he is an advice only and fee only certified financial planner. So in other words, he is paid for his time by his clients. He doesn't receive kickbacks, commissions, incentives for selling products or recommendations. So a client pays him for his time, his advice, and he helps those guys uh, manage their own finances, which could include investing. Dr. J, leave anything out? No, that's good. I, I do have to say, Cody, I saw you guys yesterday having the debate on how to spell child free and how to do the term during the convention. I'm going to go down and saying it's one word. One word. I, I'm, capital C. I'm in the one word camp too. I, I think it's one word as well. Um, just a reminder to our audience, this is live. This is happening right now. Uh, it will be archived in the future and available on the Child Free Family YouTube page. But for now, it's live. So if you want to jump in and join us in the conversation, put a question or a comment uh, and uh, we'll see if we can get to it and, and answer it as well. So before we dive too far in, let me get through this fun part, the disclaimer, uh, the following views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please seek the assistance of a professional to aid you in your financial decisions. We're just you guys having fun. <laughs> so, um, with that, so today's talk is going to be on fire and file. And before we even can get into those exact things, where what are we looking at for a starting point? What's the jumping off point before someone can even say, okay, I want to get on the, the journey of, of fire or file? Yeah. So when you're looking that far ahead, you're really talking about the future. And I don't know. I don't know about you, but I don't think 20 years in the future as well as I probably should. Uh, but the reality is if you don't have a solid foundation, whatever your target is in the future can be an issue. So one of the things I'm doing some research right now, talking with child-free individuals on their finances. And one of the things that's interesting is child-free folks as a whole have less debt than the general population. Uh, if you look at credit cards, my data is saying that about 20% of child-free folks have a credit card or, or debt, carry debt on it, while mm, over half or more have debt on a credit card. So the first thing to me, is getting out of debt. And yeah. what do you think about that, Cody? So it's, it's basically like a one out of five for the child-free folks versus like one out of two for the rest of the population. That's basically what it says. In a way, it makes sense. Like it, it's, it, it kind of follows that narrative that people, you know, believe that if you don't have kids, you have more disposable income. Um, and that doesn't, but that doesn't always translate to uh, using that finance, uh, to the best of its ability, uh, following the budget, like we talked about last time uh, in episode one. Um, yeah. 
yeah it's 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 interesting but it's also along the the other stereotype of the fact that the, everyone thinks oh you're child free well then you must have just tons of money but that 20 percent, do you know that do you know the numbers on like the different dollar amounts by chance like what's the average amount of debt that a say parent carries versus a child free person i don't have all those the, the stats but there was just a national survey done and they found that less than half of the people in the u.s general population which includes child free and parents can afford a thousand dollar emergency which a thousand i mean i had a pipe go the other you know uh, this weekend and i had to do that repair if i couldn't do it myself that was gonna be a lot more than a thousand dollar emergency you know so if people don't even have a thousand dollars for when stuff happens, which it does, yeah. that becomes an issue. And, and that's when the debt the debt starts building up because people just, Oh, I'll just put it on my, my card and I'll do, do the minimum amount and, you know, let, let the snowball start building. Yeah. And that's what most people said. Hey, I'll just borrow somehow to get through that emergency. And then what happens is, you know, if I got 10 grand in debt, putting another 500 bucks on it, eh, you know, I'm already in a hole. And you just get stuck in that mentality. Um, and I do want to comment on something you brought up there, Cody, is people go, well, you're rich, you're child free, you got to be rich. So yeah. I'm looking at the data. Interesting part is that single childless women do have the highest net worth by about 20 grand when you're looking at people in the U.S. over 55. Wait, so wait, wait, it's so, little, so single, single childless women have a higher uh Net, net income worth. or net, net worth. worth at okay. 55. Okay. By the way, that net worth, I'm just grabbing the stats, I'll throw it in the chat, is about $160,000. So it's not huge. Yeah. Um, you know, when we're talking about fire, we're going to be talking about some big numbers, but it's about $20,000 more than parents. Hmm. What's your reaction to that? Well, I, I mean, that's the, it's the first time I'm hearing this statistic, and it's kind of mind blowing because you hear a lot about. Um, the wage gap and you know the the glass ceiling and and the, the the differences in pay for men and women. So to hear that a single child free woman has a higher net worth, it, um, then like just that's the top of the the financial wealth food chain. Like they are the pinnacle. I mean, in a way, it's great news. Like that that's that's pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, that's a cool way to buck the norm. Yeah, and. It's interesting because statistically, it's actually not a difference. Mm. Um, you know, the, the parents are coming in just below about 150, uh, and that's based on census data. So that's pretty good data. But it also says that a lot of people, hey, and they're elderly, um, don't have a lot of money. Mm. You know, $150,000 is not going to get you through retirement when, on average, in the US, it's going to cost you a quarter million dollars for health insurance, mm. unreimbursed health insurance. That means you mm. have Medicare, it's a quarter million dollars after that. Just for just for medical issues, and that's where the, the the parents look at their kids is their their future caretakers, either physically or financially. And um, as child free individuals planning for the future, uh, you know we we don't um, have that scapegoat, I guess, to to look at. So we've got to plan for ourselves, and that's yeah. So that that same report from the census found two and a half percent of child free folks get any financial support from their family after fifty five. Mm -hmm. which I'm not really surprised. That kind of yeah. sounds right. Only one and a half percent of parents get any support. And I, I think we covered that last time in the last yeah. episode. And it, it, yeah, to, to, to see that, that difference as well, it, it, in a way it kind of doesn't make sense. It's like, okay. <laughs> the bottom line is your future is determined by your financial decisions. Yeah. And yeah. what happens is debt is stealing from your future. You know, if you look at average credit card debt's about 16%. Over time, S&P averages about 10%. Uh -huh. Don't quote that as an investment number. That's just a general sure. average. So if you take the money, invest it, you're already in the whole 6% uh -huh. versus paying down that debt. Yeah. The debt's you just going to eat it away. It's going to erode anything that you make unless you have a substantial year, which... You know, good for you if you do, but yeah, the, the roll the dice on that, uh, the 16% the, the debt, it, it's always going to be there. And it can potentially get worse. Credit card companies can change their rates. Um, you sign that little paper saying so uh, it, it, in, uh, in my state, uh, it can go up to 
like that's as high as the government will let them go. And you better believe they'll go to it. So um, I, I don't foresee the stock market having that big of a swing on a regular basis to make up for that. So yeah, I mean, debt, debt is a, a big uh, killer for people planning for their future, for sure. Yeah. And I think what's happening is we've had three great years for the market back to back. The S&P over the last three years is up about 96%, which means if you put your money in about three years ago, you'd almost double it. On average, the S&P does 10%. So we are nowhere near the average over the last three years. So if you've gotten used to, hey, well, I can beat 16%. Uh-huh. Well, the, the rule of averages is eventually it's going to come back down to that average percentage. And that's, you know, if you're counting on using debt to get you ahead in the future, yeah, it's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. To everyone living in the future watching this that's been archived, we're in 2022. So while you're in your flying car watching this while it's driving itself or flying itself, um, yeah, so that we're talking about the, the, the recent market from 2022. <laughs> yeah, so here's the other fun stat for you. For most credit card companies, if you pay the minimum payment and don't add any debt to it, it'll take you 10 years to pay off that credit card. Is that kind of like a like average that people would look Is that their magic number? It's like, okay, if you just pay the minimum, yeah, you'll pay it off in 10 years. You'll pay the balance. And that's, again, not adding new debt on top of yep. what it is. That's like hitting your credit limit. And it's like, okay, just paying down the minimum every month. Yep. Is that and what happens is at 16%, about every five years, that credit card debt will double. So what's happening is you're making, you feel like you're making progress, uh-huh. but paying the minimum barely or might not even cover the interest payment. Wow. Yeah. Food for debt thought. <laughs> so the, the second part before we get into the fire and file is this debate on buying a house. Mm. And one of the things I'm finding in the data is that child-free folks are more likely to rent because they have flexibility. You know, they're like, look, yeah. why be tied down? I don't have to worry about the school system. You know, I, I can, you know, if I get a job somewhere else in the mid, you know, in the other side of the country, I can just move. Mm-hmm. But people then go, and I think there's a little bit of house fever out there going, but you have to have a house to get ahead. Mm. What do you think about that, Cody? It's it's the old adage. It's like you know, you invest in real estate. Real estate's always going to go up. Again, don't quote me. We had a disclaimer, but it's like real estate's always going to go up. It's a safe investment type of thing. Um, so to hear that the majority of child-free people are are renting, it's like two or a few different thoughts coming in. It's like number one, are they renting because they're unable to qualify for a house? Do they have too much current debt, student debt already built up? You know, hitting the job market to where you know they they have to rent. But like you said, they also want to remain flexible if they need to, you know, take that job from L.A. to New York. They, they can they can up and do it uh, and not have to worry about going through the process of selling a house and then also buying another house or what's going to be the next step there. So um, it's interesting to hear that the majority of people are renters, but I can see where they might have to be given their their debt situation. Like, is it based on debt or is it based on the choice for flexibility? It's probably a bit of both. So Gen X and Y, which is where I do a lot of my work, on average, will have seven significant career changes in their life. And what we're seeing is people aren't getting raises. Let's just be real. They're they're getting supposedly cost of living raises. But if you got less than 7% last year, you lost money because inflation is up 7%. And most people did not get a 7% raise. So the way you get a raise is by moving companies. Yep. Used to be, you know, I don't know about you. So I'm, I'm 43. And when I when I started in the career world, they said, well, you're going to be a job jumper if you're there for less than like five years or some stupid uh-huh. number like that. Yeah. Nowadays, well, if you make it two years, you're a long timer. Yeah. It's like worry about your resume. You can't have so many jobs on your resume in, in this day and age. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those those employers, if you don't show up because you got hit by a bus, they'll post your job the day after. So, mm-hmm. you know, that gives you an idea of how much loyalty there is. Well, so, and, and some things that I've seen and read as well, the, the most companies, they would almost rather hire from the outside anyway. And, and anyone who's, you know, worked in, you know, a corporate world, you see a job opening come up within your company. You're like, oh, I can I can totally do that job. I have all the qualifications. They know me. They know what I can do. I'm going to apply. And then they hire somebody from outside the company. Uh, and they do it for a number of reasons. Number one, 
it may have been a, a competing company, so they want that person's intel on that company. They don't necessarily want to move up from within because if they move you up, now they have to hire for your job. And it, sometimes it's easier to hire, um, you know, across the stream versus bringing someone up from the pipeline. And yeah, so people who think they're going to sit in a job for, you know, 10 years even it is, it's, it, with any kind of upward mobility or vast increases to their personal income uh, is almost hard to find. <laughs> yeah, the day of doing 25 years and getting the watch is gone. Yeah, it, just, it is. Um, so if you truly want to be on this fire or file path, you've got to be able to jump to that next job. And, mm -hmm. and I'm seeing people get almost 50% raises by jumping to yeah. other jobs. I mean, yeah. huge. You know, maybe they're taking a start, going to a startup, they're getting some equity. They're getting huge jumps by making that move. And they might be moving. You know, I'm, I'm in Texas today and I got to move to, to Washington. Who cares? Mm -hmm. You know, because they can do that. So that's part of the picture on renting. The other part of it is housing prices are crazy right now. Yeah, they are. My wife and I just moved from Connecticut to Mississippi and we were fortunate to find a house here. But the 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 price difference between the two were huge. You know, mm -hmm. you could get almost triple the house in Mississippi that you get in Connecticut. And Connecticut's mm -hmm. one of those where the, that just the house values are crazy. Well, if you're going to buy a house and you're going to do it right, the first thing you do is get out of debt. Well, many people are not debt. The wow. second thing is have 20% down. Well, 20% down is going to prevent you from getting pri private mortgage insurance, going to get you a better rate. Uh -huh. So in the U.S., with an average house somewhere around $300,000, you got to be out of debt and have 60 grand in cash uh -huh. to buy the house right. Yeah, and the housing prices are up pretty much everywhere. Like the there used to be a lot of like, you know, clickbait style stories where it's like, you know, oh, someone moved from New York from, uh, you know, 300 square foot apartment to a uh, uh, Victorian mansion in Charleston, South Carolina, you know, it, those stories have kind of gone away because everything is so high up everywhere. Like you can still do that probably, but it doesn't seem like they're as prevalent these days. At least I don't see those kinds of things as much. Yeah. And, and I think the problem is, so when you chose to be child free, you chose not to follow the life script. Okay. The same life script says, you buy a house where you grew up, you stay in the community for the rest of your life, and you work a job there for 25 years. Uh, and get your watch. <laughs> and that's not happening. Yeah. You know, most people cannot afford a house in the same community they were brought up in because there's a certain quality of life that came over time. And let's be real, our parents bought houses for a lot cheaper than we did. <laughs> it just it just was. So Renting is an option, but you need to plan on last year. It was almost 15% that rents went up year over year. Mm -hmm. That's the downside. You don't have control of that. The upside is if the pipe breaks and you're renting, you place a phone call and go, not my problem. Mm -hmm. you know? well, and with today's job market with a lot of jobs becoming a work from home type of, of uh, a job, being able to rent, it does make uh, more sense because a lot of like, you know, small town America, you know, towns and cities, they're losing their population because it's aging out and dying. And the younger people can't find a job to work in that area. And so they move to a city. Well, now they may be able to move back and get that big city money and even live in their old hometown or, or in a small town in rural America somewhere and uh, be able to do it. But th th even then, they might not be looking to buy just because they say, hey, this has worked once for me. I'm going to, you know, roll the dice. And if I have to do it again, I'll, I'll up and move and move somewhere else. But um, it seems like that's the really one of the only edges that people have is that ability to be flexible, work from home and live somewhere that is like on the, the renting financial scale below your means, like try to find that balance if you can. And that's like a way to get a leg up. And the same goes with buying a house. If you can work mm -hmm. remotely, you have a lot more options. Yeah. So, you know, my wife and I, we moved, our house in Connecticut was costing us, sit down for this one, $12,000 a year in property taxes alone. Oh. So that's $1,000 a month just for taxes. We moved to a rural county in Mississippi, and our taxes here a year are $1,800. Don't, don't tell them. Don't, don't, <laughs> they'll raise your taxes. <laughs> And, and and I've got now 33 acres in a pond. Okay. Yeah. I've got my I've got my own homestead. Yeah. And, and 
like when they they send me a tax bill, I'm like, did you miss a zero here? Is there a typo? Don't, what you you do? Don't tell them. <laughs> what it is, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Let's yeah. be real. There's no food that delivers here. But I do have gigabit Ethernet, so I can hey. do my full job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, fiber, it doesn't matter. Bonus. <laughs> you know, so there are those options. And I think the hard part is, if you're going to look at like a file fire life or something along those lines, you're going to make sacrifices now for the future. You, you almost have to, unless you're set up with it so far, unless you're like getting that trust fund or you're, you're in a job that you're making so much more money than you're even able to try to even want to spend. Um, but if you're, you know, just working a typical job and with atypical debts, like, yeah, you have to make sacrifices to begin the investment portion. Again, getting back to what you said about debt, you have to take care of the debt first and then um, look at that, that financial investment portion or dip your toes in at least, especially if you have um, a company that does do a retirement match, you know, take advantage of that. In, in my opinion, personal opinion, you'd want to take advantage of that as well. But yeah, I mean, that, that debt will just eat you alive. Yeah. The, the hard part is the match is free money. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you can get to the match and just check that off and then pay your debt, mm -hmm. probably makes sense. Yeah. But I've got some people that have credit cards and they're 20, 30 percent. I mean, your, your state has a max. Others don't. And that's actually tied to a prime rate, which we know interest rates are going up this next year. So at some point you need to make some sacrifices. Yeah. You know, there are those debt experts who say, you know, while you're in debt, you don't see the inside of a restaurant unless you're working there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a Dave Ramsey thing. Not everybody likes yeah. him, but that's just, he's got a point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you know, you're, you're paying 23% on that uh, $50 bill. That, that that restaurant was now for the next 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so talking about making sacrifices, let's start to dive into the topic here. So we've got FIRE, financial independence, retire early. Um, give people kind of the nuts and bolts of what that is that they maybe have not heard of it and they've just stumbled across us. So before I go there, Cody, why don't you, since you leave the child-free FIRE, how, how do you define FIRE? Because there's more than one definition. Of everyone, everyone does have their own kind of feel of what FIRE is. And I, I kind of fell into it like, it's almost like with child free, like before I knew that I was child free, I was child free. Like it, it just kind of naturally happened just because of the way that my wife and I were already living our life. We didn't have a, a child. We didn't want a child. And so, oh, there's there's a community for us. It exists. It's called child free. Awesome. Kind of the same thing with fire, um, you know, kind of looking at our situation and, you know, having spoken to, you know, financial planners in the past and feeling like we're a little bit of anomaly. Like I start researching that. It's like, why are we so different? Is it because just because we don't have kids or whatnot? And it's like, no, it's because I've, I've we've both been, you know, fairly frugal people. We're both savers and uh, invest when we can and where we can and try to do it smartly and don't carry any debt. And that just plop fell right into what I found was fire. But again, like you're saying, there are different ways to go about achieving fire or utilizing fire and so yeah i just kind of found the the fire community just by uh, here i am <laughs> yeah and, and there's kind of two people that come to fire it's either they fell in kind of like what you're talking about or it was you know something they found and they're like oh i'm gonna go in that direction uh -huh. and fire at its course two things financial independence and then retiring early and i separate those intentionally so financial independence, the old school way of calling this, and I apologize, was FU money, where yeah. you could just do whatever you want because you don't have to worry about the point. Where, where you get to a point where, hey, I'm doing my job and I hate it. Yeah. I can go, I'm out. Yeah. And either go to another job if I want or retire. That's not financial yeah. independence. It's beyond, you know, it's not living paycheck to paycheck is is at one extreme. Financial independence at the other extreme. Yeah. Of you got enough money that if you take the time off, you're okay. Or you change your plans or you go back mm -hmm. to school. The you, can take a, you can take a sabbatical for five years. <laughs> yeah. Just good luck getting back in the market after being out five yeah. years. That's a, that's a job market problem. So the retire early is not saying you got to retire at 40, 50, oh. 32. It's not an age. It is I've got enough money that I don't have to worry about it for the rest of my life. Oh. Now, the hard part of that is a lot of fires based on general rules and most general financial rules were based on having kids. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so when I did my CFP, there was nothing in there about having being child free. So any general rule is going to have them in the picture. So you got to be mm-hmm. careful on that. And um, you'll see people talking about a four percent safe yeah. withdrawal rate. That's the that's the fire number. But what that is is there's a lot of data that looks at it, and there's some debate on if it's three and a half, four percent, or whatever it is. But the general concept is if it's 4%, I can take 4% out of my investments every year and I should be fine. That's based on a 30-year life cycle. Now, if you're retiring at 40 and you're going to live to 100, that math may or may not work. And it also partially depends on luck. You know, if, yeah. you, if you retired right before the market dove and you stayed at 4% while it was in, in this market that's not so great for a while, it's going to be tough. Uh-huh. Um, so that's the hard part with the 4% rule is it's hard and fast. And then you'll, the, the opposite side of that as well, if you have 25%, uh, 25 times what you want to take home, you've got to hit your number. Those are uh-huh. the general rules. But what that doesn't take into account is the market doesn't just go in a straight line. Yeah. And your spending doesn't go in a straight line. And your life doesn't go in a straight line. Uh-huh. You know, I, I work with somebody right now whose uh, father has, has Alzheimer's and Alzheimer's care for five years could be up to a million dollars. Yeah. If your fire number was two million and you take a million out of it for mm-hmm. either caring for yourself or an elderly parent, you're back to work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's if you had removed yourself because you thought you're retired. And I, like you said, you know, getting back into the game and you've had a huge, uh, time lapse from your last job and you try to get into the same field, your field may have changed completely. Or you get the, and let's be real, there is discrimination based on age. Mm-hmm. You've been out of the market five years and now you're over whatever, 40, 50, whatever. And now like, well, I'm not really sure. You're going to retire in a few years. I'm not sure I want to put the- invest the money in you. Yeah. It goes downhill. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm finding, and I'll put a link in the chat with child-free folks is many more of them are doing what I call file. Financial independence, live early. Okay. So fire is a on-off switch for work. File is kind of a dimmer switch. You know, I, I, it's getting to choose to spend the time at work if you want, or actually it turns out in child free, there's a higher percentage, it seems to be, of people's small businesses. And doing what you enjoy early on, which actually changes your trajectory. Because if I'm going to live a file life, I'm going to actually have some income coming in over time. I just might choose to do it from a beach instead of a nice, cold, you know, northeast winters as I used to. But now what happens is it's not just about shutting off work. Mm-hmm. And what, what do you think, Cody? I mean, are you a file or a fire person? You think? I, I mean, again, like I, I'm, I'm even the admin of uh, one of one of the groups for uh, Facebook's uh, Child Free Fire population community and yeah i would say i i would lean definitely more towards the file because i I am doing work like i'm not just you know drinking a mai tai and hanging out in the beach every day um i i just i'd be bored i don't know like i want to do something and and if i'm able to also you know make a little money on the side and add to that little retirement nest egg then you know why not yeah i just had a great conversation with somebody who had retired child free had retired and then decide to go back to work because just like, what do I do? And mm-hmm. he's much better than I am because he set a boundary. Works 25 hours a week, no Fridays, and never before 10 a.m. Boundary. That's a great idea. <laughs> what a novel idea. <laughs> and I pushed him. I said, hey, what happens if a client says they got to meet, you know, 8 a.m. in the morning? He goes, yeah. I don't. Yeah. He says he lost one client because of that. And I'm like, man, he's better than I am because he can set that boundary. Almost in a way, though, that, I mean, that's kind of like the the um, the give take. Like you want to work with him because he's keeping his you know clientele so much on point. It's like you don't want to fall off. Like you got you want to stay with him. <laughs> so it's yeah. And and on the flip side, so I'm talking to some people. Interestingly enough, Cody, um, I don't know. I got to look at the data, but I think there's just as many people that fall into fire as plan on fire. Um, and part of that might be because the fire movement itself. You know, you can get a Mr. Money mustache, probably get some credit for it. There's a few others, but five, 10 years is when it's been popular. You know, and that's, re- that's relatively new as far yeah. as, you know, 
So Thanks, if you yeah. were planning on, you know, if you're 50 or 55 and you're retiring early, that movement probably wasn't even there. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, you know, looked into it. And, and I, you made me think of this one person I interviewed. She said, real simple. She came to the U.S. She was an immigrant, got out of debt immediately, never went back to it in her life. Maxed out her 401k. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> she retired yeah. at 50. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't have a plan. You know, she didn't like, you know, they, they joke about fire people getting, you know, scrimping and saving so much that they're making their own soap or, you know, she didn't do any of that. She just got out of debt, maxed out her 401k, got the match. The market did well for her. Mm-hmm. But at 50, she's like, I'm out. But but she did have some discipline in her finances as well to not go and spend beyond her means and to get back into debt. It's, it's kind of like the situation I was in where it's like, I, I just really avoid debt at all costs. Like if I have to buy something, I would rather either, you know, if, not like anyone pays cash, but I know I have that cash available to literally pay off that credit card at the end of that month. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to carry anything. I just choose not to. And, um, you know, I, I just don't, I'm not the, the first wave of like tech kind of guy. I don't have to have the newest stuff. Like literally, uh, like I think our, our TV is a flat screen. It's it's probably like a whatever 2006 or 2007 model. But man, things working fine. So, but uh, when it goes, yeah, I can go buy a new one. But that's because that that's the life I live. Every five years, I don't need a new TV. Yep. And, and so here's the thing, though. Stay out of debt. Max out your retirement. By the way, there's some things we can do with taxes there, and we can talk about some of that. Yeah. But Stay out of debt, max your retirement. It's not sexy. <laughs> it's yeah, basics. Well, well and a lot of people they they think and you kind of mentioned it is to, to to achieve fire or even file is that you you have to sacrifice. You must sacrifice. You're not able to live your best life, and that's where you get into like fat fire and different terms that they have. Um, so, what what are your thoughts on that? As far as the maybe the What's the negative aspect of trying to achieve fire that people look at where they're like, oh, no, I'm never going to try to do fire if it happens, it happens, or I'll just wait and retire at 65 or whatever it's going to be. So in actuality, what I hear from most people is I'll never retire. Yeah. And some people get very negative about it, kind of like, you know, I'm going to work until my grave. Mm -hmm. Um, And others are, I don't know what I would do if I retired. Those are two different. Two different camps. Yeah. Yeah. Then we have the fire folks that are, I've had a good conversation with a few people, seem to be in their 40s a lot. They say, when I started work, I decided I don't want to do this and I just want to retire. And you got people that are working 12, 15 hours a day. I mean, burning it out in order to get to that fire goal. Right. The downside of that is, did you miss your life somewhere in there? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's okay if that's what you want to do. You know, so I did my bachelor's degree in nine months. So I've done the let's make our life suck for a short period of time to get a goal. Mm-hmm. But for what purpose? Yeah. D- delaying gratification, essentially. It's like, well, it's like we'll, we'll tighten our belts and work hard. Like we'll pick up this second job or do whatever um, and kind of work as hard as we can through our 30s and even into our 40s. But then by like 45, maybe we can just not have to work ever again and we can, you know, take a a trip here or a cruise there or whatever and enjoy life and do what we want to do. But again, you know, life throws curveballs, So you never know what's coming down the pipeline. It just depends on maybe your personal outlook on life. Like, you know, we, we all, some people like they plan to live to be a hundred, like I'm going to be a hundred and they have to plan their life accordingly. Some people are like, man, I don't want to live to a hundred. Like I want to enjoy life and uh, whatever happens, happens. If a meteor hits me and I die, then there you go. And, and the truth is we need to be somewhere in the middle. Mm. You know, we need to not make the penny squeak because we're pushing them yeah. that hard. <laughs> and we don't need to spend everything we got. So that's a hard balance because, you know, as humans, you know, we talked about budgeting last time. That sets, sets guard lines that we can just kind of work within. But the problem with fire is if all we're looking at is the end, mm. we sacrifice things on the way, maybe too much. Mm. Or if that's okay with you, that's fine. But last thing you want is your relationships to fall apart or your health to fall apart because you're burning it too too fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think what's happened in the U.S. is we're glorifying hustle culture. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you got to hustle. You got to have a job. You got to have a side gig. You got to have. Uh, okay. At what cost? Mm-hmm. And because we're child free, we can get away with it. Because, you know, we don't have like some little person saying, hey, come to our soccer game. So what happens is we're like, well, we can work longer hours. You're right. But till what point? Mm-hmm. Adding more zeros to the account does not make you happier. You're not yeah. taking the money with you. You know, it, it, it's um, it's hard. And what I try to work with people on this file concept is can you tune up your work so you're not miserable mm-hmm. and still get to your goals? So, for example, if you come to me, Cody, and say, hey, I hate my job, but I, I only have to do it for five more years and then I can retire. I go, do you really want to hate your job and hate your life for five years? Yeah. yeah. Or can you change now and live, you know, live early because you have the financial independence? Another one that's common uh, in couples, uh, and, and there's some tweaks on whether or not you're married or not on tax. Sure. In couples, they're child-free. Often I say, hey, you can live on one salary. So if one of you wants to take some time and follow your passion, that's fine. You know, my wife and I, we, we follow, we call it the, you know, the gardener and the rose. Everybody gets to turn at the rose and everybody has to be the gardener at times. And the gardener takes care of all the support things. Yeah. So if, if I say, hey, my spouse can, you know, follow their passion, open their cupcake shop, whatever. It might not be the best financial decision. But it might be the best decision personally and for, you know, their life. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's going to push off retirement. But if you're happier running your cupcake shop, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and and from just the child-free standpoint, looking at it from you know, it, for most parents, they almost have to have two incomes. Like they, they almost have to to uh, just not even to maintain, just to 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 float and bob above water. Like that's it's just. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel for them. Like, that's, that's tough. That's why I, I love being child-free for one reason. <laughs> well, I think the other thing I've seen in a few of the groups in the discussion, they go, well, you know, maybe they, they, some people call it a middle-class work ethic where you just have yeah. to always be busting your butt. Uh, I'm a bit of a – I like studying history. It actually goes back to a Puritan or Protestant work ethic. That's, that's where it came from. And it was actually a cornerstone of, of capitalism. You work really hard, you'll get ahead. Not completely true right now. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. working harder is not gonna necessarily going to make you more money. So I'm saying, well, let's follow Scrooge McDuck and work smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. You know, and find that balance. And I don't know. Um, but the hard part is what happens once you get your goal? What happens when the dog catches the car? And, and that's where like my wife and I are at right now. We call it working class guilt. Like we we've worked like you know hard. Like we work we we've worked to where we are now, and now we're at a point to where we don't have to work as hard, but we feel like we have to work. Like I was the kind of kid where if I was sick and I couldn't go to school, like it bothered me because I knew that I was going to have to catch up on all that homework. I I never wanted to miss school. Yeah, mm-hmm. I always wanted to like you know. It's just working. It's just working, and so it's always it's always just been there with me. And fortunately, I found a partner that had the same mindset. But the the downside of that is, um, it, it's it's hard to pump the brakes. And like you said, to 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 step into that file side of things, say, hey, or, you know, let's live life and enjoy it a little bit. Um, in in our last episode, you talked about it when we we're formulating a budget, like almost putting in a line item, this like have fun budget, like put in money and say, okay, you're going to spend this every month doing something fun, like blow it. Like just do what doesn't matter. Like it's really for your, for your mental health, if anything, uh, and your sanity. <laughs> so yeah. I, that was a great takeaway for me. Did you mention that one to your wife? Did she, I did. You know, she loved it. <laughs> I knew that was happening. So, um, so let me give you another example of that. Maybe I do the math on my budget and I can work four days a week instead of five. Yeah. But the trick is finding a job where you can do that too. Finding the, the boss that will allow that to happen. But um, that, that might be one of the positive things that, that come out of uh, what we just all went through with the, the pandemic and, you know, working from home, working four days a week instead of five days a week and getting more of that, that home lifestyle. Um, so maybe, maybe that, that is a thing that'll, you know, work its way into the work ethic of the community. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get through in the work ethic. I just, um, 
I, I struggle with this one. So I, I'll give you my midlife crisis. Um, I'm here at the um, therapist office here with Cody is what it feels like. But uh, <laughs> when I hit 40, I had achieved most of my career goals, my academic goals, my personal goals. Married, happy, do my thing. Dr. J. And then I go, now what? Yeah. And I had this moment. So I remember it very clearly. Um, you know, my wife was working on her career and, you know, we got that, that gardener in the row. So I was on more of the gardener role. And I hate to say it, but there is a, there is a gendered thing on who's doing support. And it, there's some cultural components that really bothered me. You know, people thought it was a little weird that I was supporting my wife, but that's a, that's a, that's a separate discussion. But I had, I had a moment and I went, what do people do? And I started doing a lot of, and, and what I realized was if you're a parent, your goals shift to the kid. Always. Yeah. As they should. But yeah. Well, to an extent, because then it becomes, well, I'm going to get Cody into uh, Yale or something. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. There is an extreme there. As somebody who's taught at Yale, I can tell you it's not perfect. Uh, but, you know, we go into these extremes and we start pushing and living through the kids. So when we're child free, we don't. Now what? Um, and I had always been goal driven. You know, I went from no degree to a PhD in five and a half years. I mean, I'm goal driven. That's just part of who I am. And I did that while working full time. And I realized I don't really have goals anymore. You know, my one goal, I guess, is I, I want to do the Great Loop. I don't know if you know that one. That's the boat all the way down the Mississippi, around the U.S. and all the way back. It, it's, it's a huge, okay. cool trip. But that's kind of a, you know, I want to go on. And it, that's a six months or a year travel. But what I did was I realized, okay, my goal now in life is to help others get to their goals. Yeah. Hence why I'm doing the financial planning stuff. Sure. Um, but what happens though is there's a, there's a, there's something in you when you're like, you know, I could retire. I, I don't have to work, but then what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and in a way, like society would look at us and say, oh, it's like well, you're trying to fill that void of not having a child and fulfilling a legacy and da 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 da. I mean, I, I feel that it's even beyond that. It's the fact, just like you said, it's just having a goal and something to drive yourself towards. Like when, whenever I go, like dust in the wind, footsteps in the sand, like I don't care. But if I can help people while I'm here, I want to do that. Like that, that I, I feel the same way as you. Like it's kind of a, a self-driven mission. To if I can help someone along, I want to do that. And if it's just having these conversations um, within the child free community, and someone gets a nugget of wisdom or information out of it, I mean that's that's awesome. That's that's what I like. Absolutely. And I had a great conversation. So because I have to have a goal or something, I don't know what I'm calling it. I'm working on a book on child free wealth, and I'm doing these interviews and, and surveys. And I I just finished one, and, and she had retired early at fifty. And the first thing she did was help somebody with a business and start a small business because that's yeah. what you're expected to do. Yeah. And then she was like, what the heck did I just do? I got out of work and went back to work. <laughs> and she's really, she's got some great questions she's asking. For free too. It's like almost you're just going to help someone. You're just going to help them anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, so she, she's, she's like, look, she, what she said was at work, I used to look in my outlook and I'd know six months from now what I have to do for the next six months. Mm -hmm. And then I retire and I don't have outlook. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. What do I do? And, and she's talking about, it allows you to, to feel and hear the anxiety of life because you don't often hear that when you're working, you know, cause it's just, you're moving too fast. And now you start looking at, well, why am I here? And all those bigger questions. I don't have any answers for those. Yeah. But if you're going to go fire, gotta have something that you want to do. By the way, I have somebody else going fire and he's just going to do video games. And that's all he's going to do. He's going to play video games. Play them. Hey, there you go. That's fine. But, you know, you, you just have to have something as that next step because otherwise, that's why people do barista fire. Just so they can go talk to people and have like a conversation with them. Sometimes for the health insurance. But you have to have a, you have to have a barista fire is. That's another one of the yeah. So there's a whole bunch of, I swear people are just like trying to segment things. <laughs> that is great. We go from lean fire, which means I'm going to live on ramen noodles mm -hmm. to fat fire, which means I have my own private chef. Mm -hmm. So there's somewhere in between there's chubby fire, barista fires. Hey, I'm going to you know go have some job. 
it doesn't literally have to be a barista to have health insurance and maybe just for interaction. And I have a belief, look at the data. If the U.S. ever had universal health care, you'd see a whole lot of people fire the next day. Yeah, you probably. Yeah. Yeah. Because that health care cost, $15,000, $20,000 a year mm-hmm. is holding people back. Well, that was one of the reasons that my wife and I were able to kind of branch out and and become you know entrepreneurs from the jobs we were doing is we were able to tap into the you know ACA and get insurance without going through like uh, Cobra for people that don't know Cobra was pretty much the standard if you don't have a job you have to get Cobra insurance and it is extremely expensive uh, and, but when the ACA came around and we were able to look at the incomes and everything involved it was like the first year that it happened so it was like it was super juiced up and awesome like yeah it's like I think our gosh I think it, it was less than like 50 bucks a month for insurance for both of us. It's like, boom, let's start this business. And then off to the races. By the way, that varies greatly state by state. It does. It does. Yeah. That's in my state, my situation, my income, our ages. Yeah. It's a whole different animal for everybody. But for us, and like I said, at that time of our life with where we were, it was like, yeah, it was like 50 a month, which was, and that's because we were getting subsidies because of the ACA. Yeah. And, and, the reality is right now you have to plan healthcare and long-term care as your part of your fire plan. Mm-hmm. I use a million dollars as my number for taking care of me and my wife at the end of our life. Mm-hmm. Um, the other interesting one, by the way, in child-free population, a lot of different age gaps. So my mm-hmm. wife and I have a seven-year gap. Um, that changes your fire plan too. What happens when somebody retires 10 years before the other person? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then does, then does that cause issues, other things? But you need to have a plan for long-term care and health insurance until health insurance is still at least 65. And then for those unreimbursed medical expenses beyond that. So um, let's talk a little about kind of um, how do you actually save for fire and how do you invest for fire? That sound good, Cody? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So two things for this. By the way, we're not going to talk about this stock is good or that stock's good. I can't do that. But what you need to do before you do any investing is know what you're investing in, why, how it works, and where you're going to invest. So the last thing you want, I love Cody, but if Cody says, hey, I got a great stock tip. Yeah. <laughs> uh-uh. I need to understand what that is. We're hearing a lot with crypto now. You know, people, oh, you got to do crypto. Mm. There's a new crypto. There's a new crypto. Every day there's a new crypto. Like, <laughs> So my rule, if you want to be in crypto, is understand it. What is it? How does it work? How to invest? And then the other part is where? Which accounts should you have it in? That's going to have a huge difference. You know, so tax advantage accounts become a, a bonus. But the problem there is most of the retirement plans, 401ks, IRAs, you're normally going to get out at 59 and a half. Well, if you want to retire at 45, it's a little harder. You can do There's a rule of 55, get a lot of 55, and then there's a 72T election, which I'm not going to go into that one. It's a lot of math that figures out ways to get into that. Um, by the way, if you're going to do that, hire somebody to help you on that because that, yeah. that, 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 that's not one you want to Google. <laughs> you heard of that one, Cody, the 72T? No, and that, that, uh, uh, no. But if I ever have to, I'll be sure to, to Google it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, you're doing a math to figure out how long and how many payments and over time and your life expectancy. It's, it's keeping the math nerds happy. Um, IRS doing their thing. So if you're child free, um, one of the things I just uh, had an article on way child free finance are different. You might actually use different retirement accounts than a parent. The reason is a Roth. If you put the, if you put the money in now, you pay the tax now, comes out tax free. Mm-hmm. Bonus there for the fire folks is your contribution, as long as it's been in there five years, can be pulled out at any time. Mm. So if you're retiring at 45, you can pull out the contribution, not the growth. Mm-hmm. Then we have the four, the traditional 401k or IRA. You're paying income taxes when that comes out. Well, 401ks are very popular in IRAs because people's plan is to pass that to the next generation. Mm-hmm. And unless you have over about $12 million a person, there's no taxes on it. I don't know about you, but I don't want to pass anything to anybody. <laughs> if I had my way, I'd, I'd have a hundred dollars in my hand as I got buried, and you know <laughs> that's why I'd end up. Um, don't, don't let anyone know where you get buried. It'll get, it'll get dug up. <laughs> <Don't even laughs> um, so that will change your plan and also changes your taxes. Mm-hmm. 
So you have to have not only, hey, I want to do investing. By the way, the investing is easy stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I send people Bogle's book, on, you know, a little common sense book on investing. You want to get crazy. You can, you, you can read Random Walk Down Wall Street. Some of those easy books. You don't have to do anything fancy. Uh, my personal investment plan, not fancy. Mm. I have 10% that I keep for what I call gambling, which is where I invest in single stocks or, you know, I want to try something. And then everything else, just in simple funds. Mm -hmm. um, you'd be surprised how simple my investing plan is. But that's because I don't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. I don't have to learn everything about everything. Set it, forget it. Yeah, you don't want the next thing coming out. Yeah. You know, but where you invest in which accounts becomes a big issue, mm -hmm. you know, because that's going to also determine your taxes. So one of the ones that people don't often think about right now at 72, when you hit in a 401k, you have to hit these RMDs, required minimum distributions. If you save for fire all your life, you may have RMDs that are hundreds and hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars that have to come out in those years. And you got to pay the taxes right then and there. Mm. If it's a Roth or Roth 401k, Roth IRA, you can take a Roth 401k, 1k, put it in a Roth IRA. You don't have RMDs. Mm -hmm. Take it out when you want. And then people go, well, maybe I should also look at a taxable account. A taxable account, you're only paying capital gains tax, which is less in most cases than your income tax. So you need a mix of those. And, and what happens is, you know, I, I get people all the time, you know, well, where do I start? What do I do? I go, number one rule, learn. Mm -hmm. I, just learn what you're doing, why you're doing. If you want to learn on your own, great. If you want to pay somebody, the rule is you pay somebody that is a fee only CFP. That means they're not getting money for commissions from anywhere else. And you can do what's called advice only. You just pay them to teach you. That's great. That way you're not paying an ongoing fee, you know, one and a half percent of your assets for the rest of your life or 1%. That's great. Always fee only. Because remember, anyone can call themselves a financial advisor. Maybe just selling you insurance or other things. So you want to either do it. You can learn it yourself. You can have somebody help you. Both of those work or combination uh, between the two. But you want to have a, dis you want to understand it. Because I, I just worry that people, when they get in this fire path, they're like, I want to, I want to fire tomorrow. So they start taking all of these risks on things that, yeah, some people have made a lot of money on the meme stocks. Some people lost a lot of money on the meme stocks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying you should invest in them or not. I'm saying, understand them. Mm -hmm. Same with crypto. There are people that made millions and there are people that went broke. Mm -hmm. um, and we're just on the early side of that. Yeah. What's your reaction, Cody? Yeah, I agree with you on everything that you pretty much just said. I mean, you, you educate yourself before you do it. Don't don't just do a knee jerk reaction. Don't ha don't have that FOMO. Your fear of missing out is like, oh man, this stock is going crazy. I need to buy it or whatever. Or I heard this tip or something like. Know what you're getting into. Know what you're investing in. Um, and work with if you're going to work with someone, work with someone that you feel like you have trust with. Um, whether they're a fiduciary or not, if there's someone that isn't fee-based and it's with a you know one of those companies that you're going to go with, um, know what they're, you know, I guess make make sure they know who you are because as I mentioned in the last episode, like you know, being a child-free person, my wife and I were an anomaly to really to both the financial planners that we've come across because we don't fit the mold of what they think we need to be planning for because we don't have. To worry about the lineage and the offspring and and you know like i said make a statue of me when i'm dead with all the leftover money i don't care it, it's um it's a tough thing for a lot of people to wrap their heads around so work with someone who understands you is the other part of it so educate yourself if you're going to work with someone no matter who it is make sure they know who you are and understand what your your goals are and that they truly understand what that is not just oh well, let me put your information in a computer and it's going to spit out you should be doing 10% here and 15% there and da, 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 da. Um, you know, know, know what you're getting into for sure. So I'm going to push back in a little bit, Cody, and I apologize. That's fine. Get a, little, get a little technical on you. You should only be working with a fiduciary. A fiduciary means they have to put your interest ahead of their own. If they're not a fiduciary, they could be selling you stuff that they make good commission on. That's not the right choice for you. I, I agree with that. The only reason I'm bringing it up is just for that devil advocate side of the, the child-free person that works for ABC 
corporation, they're going to be like, oh, you're bashing my industry and my group or whatever. It's like, look, it's like if people want to work with that kind of person, then that's they should know and they should ask. That should be literally one of the questions you ask any financial planner. You should ask, are you a fiduciary? Are you going to have a fiduciary responsibility with our interactions and with my future? And you you should ask that question. And it, either if you want to hear yes and you don't hear it, then that's where you make your decision. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, I'm hard and fast on it. And I apologize. You know, no, every no, CFP fine. has to be a fiduciary. Um, brokers can be what's called best interest, mm. which is not always the same. Um, the other thing I encourage you, you're right on the questions. Ask them, how is my financial plan different because I'm child free? Mm. If they don't have an answer or they do the, hmm, I don't know, um, yeah. run. Yeah. They're putting the same plan <laughs> as everybody else. Yeah. You know, um, it is different. Your the core of your plan is different. You know, it, I'm not saying they have to be child free because there's some people that aren't child free that do that understand it. But at the same time, if they're cookie cuttering a plan mm -hmm. from somebody else, that's not good for anybody. But if they go, I don't know, what does it mean to be child free? Are you really going to be child free? Are you always going to be child? They start going down that path. It's not the right fit. Yeah. You know, that I, I encourage everybody to find two or three. But the other part of it is you can learn this on your own. The one thing that I, I will add in is a comprehensive financial plan looks at a lot of stuff. And one of the things the fire folks don't always think about is insurance. Mm. So one of the things, especially with child-free folks, I encourage everybody to get some disability insurance. Because it's more likely that you're going to get disabled, you know, have a stroke, a heart attack, trip, fall, break a leg, can't speak. And have to rely on that than life insurance for most child-free folks. Mm -hmm. Life insurance is covering somebody who after needs your income that. after. Yeah. If me and my wife, one of us can't work, we'd be okay because our budget will work. But that disability insurance will cover my income going forward. And people don't think about it. And they're usually pretty cheap. And if you pay for it out of pocket, when you get disability payments back, they're not counting it under taxes. It's all coming to you. So it only covers 60% or 70% of your salary, but you don't take taxes out. Yeah. So you need to be thinking about that. Same with fire folks. Make sure you have good house insurance, car insurance, umbrella insurance. But I don't sell any insurance, so yeah, I'm, sure, sure. I'm not selling it. Yeah. But that's protecting you. Again, Heaven educate forbid yourself. you're educate what's that? Educate yourself. What we talk about, like, you know, look, look into it. Yeah. And the way I look at it is things happen. We, we've learned that recently. You, you, your car crashed into somebody and next thing you know, you got a million dollar lawsuit on your hands. Mm -hmm. I have an umbrella policy. I just go to, hey, you take care of it and let me know when it's done mm -hmm. versus my whole fire plan falls apart. Yeah. You know, because I don't have the insurance, including health insurance, all the others. So it's more than just investing. It's about knowing what your final goal is. It's about investing, taxes, insurance, estate planning, all of that together to have a fire plan. Yeah. And we've talked about, we've kind of touched on a lot of different topics here. Um, we talked about, you know, fire and file, but you know, the investing insurance, um, uh, this debt and budgeting and everything along those lines. And so we want to keep this conversation going. Um, this is episode two. We plan on doing another episode. Um, I believe episode three, we're going to talk about debt management and the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck. And so uh, if you feel like that might be a great conversation for you, we look forward to uh, you guys all tuning in with us and listening in and uh, join the conversation. Again, this is live until it's archived. Um, so you can always throw out questions and ask us uh, our opinions of it and we'll, we'll give them to you uh, within reason. And so um, with that, Jay, is there anything that you want to do a quick plug for? You've got your book you're working on. Let folks know about that. Yeah, I'm going to plug two things because we've talked sure. about it. So for those who are interested in working with a financial planner, I am out there at childfreewealth.com. I offer a no-cost meeting for 60 minutes. So you can get to know me. I also do offer uh, pro bono spots for those people when we talk about this paycheck to paycheck. often work with the people that have medical issues and other things that have to dive in deep. And then the other one that uh, I mentioned, so I talked about this research I'm doing, and, and I'm getting the data from you all. Um, I'm fortunate I've actually been able to complete about 200 surveys and 20 interviews uh, for a book on child-free wealth. 
Uh, childfreewealth.com slash book. I'd love you guys to finish the, fill out the survey, do the interview. Um, if you do, you get a copy of the book. But more importantly, you're getting data that we can all use and make some decisions on that isn't out there. You know, you guys just had that debate on how to use the word child free. I'm now going, what does that mean when you were added to wealth? Yeah, we, we had a conversation for those that might not know the child free convention. We have the child free definition project that we're just dipping our toes into to define what the term child free um, means, should mean, means now. Uh, and yeah, it, it's it, we need data, and that's severely lacking that's out there. So, yeah, I, I love data. Cody loves data. <laughs> we're both nerds that way, I guess. <laughs> so, with that being said, guys, uh, everyone, thank you for tuning in, giving us a watch. And uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing everybody next time. And until then, peace out. We hope you enjoyed this episode presented by Child Free Media Limited. To stay current with child free content like this, please visit childfreemedia.com and subscribe to the newsletter.